Welcome to episode 156 of the Cricket Her Weekly. I'm back from Canada. I'm a bit jet lagged, and that's the reason why we are releasing this a day later than usual. We are, yeah. Uh, did you have a good time in Canada? I see you've come back wearing your UBC t-shirt because uh-huh. you've been to the University of British Columbia, Columbia even, <laughs> which is in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, and you, you've been watching a bit of sport there, which we'll get to in a minute. But, you know, first of all, cricket over there. Yeah. What, what, was cricket, what was the awareness of cricket like amongst people that you were talking to? Because you were talking to people that are in a sports department at the University of British Columbia. Did, did they know much about cricket there? Well, they've obviously heard of it. It's definitely seen as um, a, a less popular sport than a lot of the other big ones. Um, we're going to talk about ice hockey in a minute. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, it's, there's, there is an awareness, but it's perhaps seen as more of an English thing. Although, you know, there is a substantial um, kind of uh, Indian population um, living in Canada. Um, and there are certainly cricket clubs around. I was in Stanley Park, which is a big um, kind of a big park in Vancouver, and apparently there is a cricket club there, although I didn't see it because I wasn't aware of it at the time. Um, so there's certainly some awareness there. I actually gave a talk about my research um, and shared some of the clips from the oral histories that I've done with women cricketers, um, and they were very interested in that, but perhaps wouldn't necessarily, you know, if I said to you, if I said, please, will you explain the laws of cricket to me, they might look at me a bit blankly um so yeah there's there's some awareness and and it certainly is played um you know the my colleague who was hosting me said that um in the summer months you may well have seen um if i've been there in the summer you might might, might have seen kind of wandering around campus the odd game of cricket happening but it wouldn't have been as kind of ubiquitous as as many other activities okay now the the big thing in your week was you went to an ice hockey game now ice hockey is kind of my week I did go there for well, academic reasons yeah of course yeah important work stuff <laughs> yeah but you also went to an ice hockey now ice hockey is kind of Canada's national sport isn't it is that it right is, pretty yeah, much yeah um, um what you know, we were watching the Vancouver, Vancouver Canucks, Canucks versus played the, the Dallas Stars they did. I believe they beat them um, 5-2 it was I, great I watched the highlights of it what, what were your impressions of the game because this is proper like major league this is the equivalent of like yeah you know, Arsenal versus you know Manchester United or whatever yeah. it's, it's big stuff isn't I it? did do a Twitter thread so do go and have a look at that if, at that if you haven't seen it um, um, it was great fun. It's, it's it's great fun going to a sporting event, a big sporting event, and not making your way to the press box, actually being in the crowd, because it does give you a different perspective on it. You didn't have to write about it. I didn't have to write, but thank goodness for that, because I wouldn't have had a clue how to write about it. You know, for me, the big thing was the two of the blokes had a massive punch up at the, at the edge of the ice, and then one of them got four minutes in the sin bin, and the other one got two minutes in the sin bin. And I was a bit like, is this normal? Apparently it is normal. So there you go. It wasn't even in any of the match reports. Um, it anyway, wasn't in the highlights either. Yeah. I checked. So, so yeah, it's very kind of aggressive masculinity crossed with this sort of lovely graceful movements because you have to be a really good skater in order to play ice hockey, obviously, um, because that's kind of the number one skill that you're that you're using chasing after the puck. So yeah, it was it was great fun. Um, yeah, it was good to indulge in a bit of junk food and just kind of take in all of the amazing atmosphere and you know big music and um, the the huge honking noise that goes up when somebody scores a goal it's impossible to to miss and loads of smoke and um yeah just you know they know how to do big sporting events well in america yeah they put on a show don't they i should it's say also, north america sorry so it's it, canada it's, yeah. it's also very commercial isn't it oh. um and this is something that interested me because you posted a couple of pictures about some of the more overtly commercial 
things that yeah. you saw within kind of within the game. We've yeah. also seen that within the Women's Premier League over the last few weeks because we've seen things like the commentators having to advertise a car in game. Yeah. Um, and yeah. That, you know, so what, what commercial things did you see? Because there was actually a car involved in one of these things, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Um, there was a. I, I mean, I, I don't know which car it was. So the the brand didn't obviously didn't quite make its way into my brain. But they, yeah, they drove a car onto the ice. Um, in the middle of the game, and then they had to. Um, the three guys got a chance to knock a hockey puck in a particular way, and then if they'd got it somewhere, then they would have won the car. Then they drove the car back off the ice. Um, it was kind of very aggressive commercialism. Um, yeah, there was another thing where um, it was. Oh, it was a. They had a sponsor who's. Um, uh, they specialise in collisions, so if you crash your car, then you call this sponsor. And so they had Collision of the Match, sponsored by this particular brand. So they just showed like a highlights reel <laughs> towards the end of the game of all of the guys getting smashed into the into the side of the rink. Um, so that was really quite a bit dark, I felt. Um, but you know, generally, they actually do the kind of integration of the brands really well um, in a way that maybe we don't see so much with it certainly within cricket but I think within any sport in England um because you know for example you know Tim Hortons were one of the sponsors um they do coffee and donuts for anyone who doesn't know um and so they had this kid who had to pick oh which which of the Tim Hortons coffee cups is the puck in for example and that was sort of in the middle of the game um so they were kind of it was a sort of fun activity for a kid and fun for people to watch while also integrating the, the sponsor. The promotion of the sponsor. Yeah, so now, that was really is, good. Do you think this is something that we're missing? Because, you know, money is tight mm. in English cricket, money's tight in women's cricket. You know, could, could we inject more commercialism into, you know, our cricket yeah. in this country in order to, you know, try and, you know, improve the financial yeah. situation? Because it's obviously what the IPL are doing and they've got huge salaries to pay. But if we want to make progress, do we need to do that? Should we be doing that? Well, they've obviously got... Um, They've obviously tried to do that to some extent with the 100, haven't they? And I believe actually that before the 100 started, Beth Barrett-Wild at the ECB and maybe some other people actually went on some research trips and visited some of these other leagues and, and other sports to try and work out what they were doing and how they could bring that into cricket. I think the difficulty that you've got um, within cricket is that we are not used to that level of aggressive commercialism and that perhaps it wouldn't play well with your existing cricket audience. Um, and you know, Feels if, a bit crass to the traditional yeah, supporter. I think so, and I think that is, you know, it's already, we've already got people complaining, oh, the 100, it's too American, it's too much about um, trying to sell us stuff and not enough focus on the cricket. Now, obviously, you know, going to that ice hockey game, the focus was, first and foremost, on the hockey, but a very close second was all of the marketing of the teams and the marketing of the sponsors and all of the kind of brand awareness they're trying to promote. So you really felt like the two things are going hand in hand. It's both sport and it's entertainment, and it's about making money. They tried to do that at the 100 a bit, but they're getting criticised for it already, and I just think we don't have that same kind of culture here certainly we don't have it within cricket um and you know maybe if they want to go down that avenue with the hundred then they do need to be very much focusing on the hundred as a way to bring in new fans of cricket who don't have those same expectations about what a day at the cricket sounds and feels like in the way that for example my dad does um you know he is used to going to a day at the test match um and it being quite a kind of sober affair 
not necessarily from the perspective of not drinking, <laughs> but from the perspective of kind of, you know, there's not really that same level of entertainment and it's not about pushing sponsors because he normally goes to Lords and, you know, that's okay. <laughs> kind of the antithesis of that, isn't it? They promote themselves. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know whether it would work so well within, within cricket. Um, and, you know, even within other sports, as I say, within England, I just think we don't have that culture somehow. Maybe we need to, maybe we do need to change that but it's going to require a, a real push because um, if you is if as you say it's about money, then maybe we do need to try and shift that. But it definitely definitely felt very different, and I was very comfortable with it because I was sat there going, "Oh well, this is this is North America, you know. I'm I'm in America now, and um and this is how they do things here." Whereas if I went to a cricket match and it looked and felt like that, it would be a bit weird, and I think I'd be a bit uncomfortable with it. Okay, fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. Um, now, I am not the only one who's You know what been... else is fascinating, Raph? What? <laughs> the Safari Dark. <sighs> Sorry. Honestly, Sid, they're not sponsoring us. <laughs> oh, no, they're not. Sorry. Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone does want to sponsor us, then, you know... Yeah, hi, Tata. <laughs> give me a gold. Tata tea. Tata tea gold. <laughs> Anyone who's been watching the UK coverage of the WPL will know what we're on about. Other people will think we're very strange. Okay, anyway, um, I was starting to say, I am not the only one who's been in Canada this week, although I didn't issue any official statements, but somebody did. Um, we have had a statement from Deandra Dottin. Um, I think it was issued actually today, Um and it relates to the reason why she's not playing in the WPL because there has been a lot of speculation, a lot of discussion around this because of the fact that um, the Giants basically tweeted saying, oh, she can't play because she's injured. And she said, no, I'm not. And so kind of in that in that kind of disjunct of information um, have all kinds of theories been been Rumor being thrown around. Has been yeah. rife, it's so I say. think that this statement is partly um, been issued as to, to, to try and shut try some and of that down, that up, yeah. explain what's happened. Um, so basically what she says is that she did have a bit of a problem in December. She had some minor abdominal pain, as she describes it. So she went to the doctor and they said, okay, have a bit of a rest um, and then you can go back to training as normal in February. So she got back to training as normal, but um, there was some kind of confusion between her medical team in Canada, where she's based, um, and the medical team of the Giants about exactly what that meant. Um, as far as her team are concerned, as far as she's concerned, she was absolutely past fit to go. Um, but the Giants seem to have suddenly, at the last minute, according to her, said, oh, well, we need some more medical tests done and we need some more medical clearances from our side. And she wasn't able to achieve that in time. So they said, no, you can't play. So that's what she says has happened. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think that what's really interesting here is that it demonstrates that the kind of barriers that are still in place to, to women competing as kind of independent agents um, and trying to play in these franchise teams. Yeah. So we talked about this, um, you know, with regard to D'Angelo Dottin um, a few months ago. And, you know, so what she's trying to do is she's trying to go off and do this by herself. Mm. So she doesn't have the best backing of the, the, the backing of the West Indies Cricket Board anymore. Um, so, you know, normally, obviously, all those other players that are going over there have the backing of their board. And their medical yeah. team will be the board's medical team. And it will yeah. be easy to communicate this stuff back and forth. Um, and, you know, while other players have been completely free agents, you know, 
in the in the recent past in the men's game, those people are you know, earning millions a year. So if you're Chris Gale and you've been playing as a free agent for you know, the best part of ten years in in the men's game, then you know with the money that you're earning, you can employ you know two or three people mm -hmm. full time whose entire job it is to make sure that this stuff works, to make sure that all of the the dots are joined up, to make sure that all of the contract stuff works. To you know you've probably employ your own full time medical person. Right. Yeah. If you're making a million pounds from you know playing in, a, in an One IPL, yeah. um, whereas if you're Deandra Dottin, you know if she competes in every single tournament going, she's going to make what three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year, something of that, perhaps a little more. Um, that's if just, she's on the top salary if she's on band, the, if she, if she make, even if she makes that top salary yeah. band on all the, all the tournaments, and that, that's just not really enough to. I mean, obviously, in some ways, it's enough to employ somebody, but obviously, she wants to make money for her future. She wants yeah. to kind of put something away in order to you know have a retirement, which is going to be long, like all sports people's retirements wow. are. And so it's not enough to employ somebody. So her medical team are almost certainly not her medical team exclusively. They deal with, you know, 10, 20, 50, 100 other athletes. Okay. Um, okay. And that means that she's not in a position to have the exclusive call on them. Um, and, you know, things like this do fall between the cracks. So it's just a demonstration right. for me of how tough it is going to be for any athletes that want to kind of pursue that independent future, independent of the boards. Mm. Because while you're still only earning... 350,000 a year at the very best that's not really enough money to kind of go out there as an independent entity okay that's really interesting maybe that will change over the next couple of years if the WPL salaries go up yeah no and that it, you know that's that's what it will take but at the moment you know Deandra Dotton as a pioneer is showing example of why it's so tough okay so I, um, unfortunately, because I was in Canada working very hard, doing things like going to ice hockey games, um, I haven't been keeping up with the WPL as closely as I would have liked. I have not been able to watch a lot of the matches live. So what's been the rundown, Sid? Um, we've just watched a game that has that has sealed um, the, the fate of all of the teams. So we now know who are the three teams who've qualified for the finals. We do know who the three teams qualified okay. for the finals. So it's the Mumbai Indians, the Delhi Capitals and the UP Warriors. Um, <laughs> so, so the Warriors are the team who have just gone through by yep, virtue of winning that game. Um, so yep. I think it shows it's been quite a close tournament after all. Because okay. you know, there's only like, what, three games left and you know we're at a point where we've only just determined those those three qualifiers. So yep. and t and until two hours ago, it was still possible possible that um, Royal Challengers Bangalore um, and the Gujarat Giants could still possibly have both qualified for the knockouts. And it's still not completely decided who's going to qualify directly for the final. Because just like the 100, um, you know, we're talking about a single semi-final and then what the time that tops the group going straight through to the final. Okay. Um, so, and, you know, that could be decided in the next couple of hours in the current game between the uh, Indians and the Capitals. Right. Um, so we're going to see about that. Okay. Um, but, it's, no, it's been, a, it's been a fun week and it's been a week that's really showed us as, as Gujarat Giants and the um, Royal Challengers Bangalore have kind of come back into things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they've both won some matches this, this week that have, you know, kind of kept the tournament alive. And it's, it's shown that there's very much like, it, it's a really equal tournament. Really, anybody could have won it, you know. And Royal Challengers Bangalore in particular had a difficult run to start with, but, you know, that then they won a couple of games towards the end and they, you know, I mean, yeah. Sophie Devine that, hit... That Sophie Devine yeah, innings, hit, that hit was amazing. 99, I, I couldn't believe she... Did. <laughs> She just needed the single to get the 100, but she went for the yeah. big hit and got caught. Um, but, you know, Sophie Devine, that's, that's what she does. And she said afterwards, you know, I was just always going to carry on chasing the game. But and as the team needed, because they yes. needed to get, you know, if they had any chance of qualification, which they still did at that point, they needed okay. to, a big bump in their net run rate. 
Um, so, you know, but it's been like a great cricket tournament. And I think that, that we're starting to kind of see some team identities emerge. Mm. But that's the one thing that, that I'm still personally kind of struggling a little bit with. It's okay. like, you know, which ones are the Mumbai Indians? Which ones are the Delhi Is that the one that made Lanning plays for or the one that... So, so the RCB are the ones with the best uniforms. So just remember that. <laughs> okay, I'll bear that in mind. And the team totals have started going down a bit, haven't they? They have a little bit, yes. Yeah. So we saw, we saw a lot of worries in the first week of the tournament as there were a couple of 200 totals hit in first innings and everyone was going oh the, the boundaries are you know too, too small short. and you know we're going to have to change the fielding regulations and but the totals have actually you know dropped off substantially in the last week okay. partly because they're playing on you know pitches that have been used before right um but also i think it's just like a reversion to the norm that i think that it probably wasn't sustainable to have those kind of totals of 200 mm. being hit every time we got lucky in the first couple of games but you know what we're seeing now more normally is the, the kind of totals that exactly as we'd see in WBBL, where 150 is a reasonable score, 170 is almost certainly going to win you the game kind of score. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, well, I'm glad you've been enjoying it. So it's given you something to do while I've been away. So that's always good. Um, one player who I've noticed hasn't played, I don't think she's played a game yet, is actually Dunne van Neerkirk, um, who's also confirmed her international retirement this week. Um, so why do you think she hasn't played, Sid? Well, I think that, that for me, the decision to kind of hire Diana, Diana van Neerkirk in the role that she has had at the Royal Challengers um, is actually a kind of a sensible one because it's clear now that what she... I mean, it's, it's, it's disappointing for the fans that wanted to see her, yeah. and I understand that, but it's clear now that she was really hired as a backup. Okay. So and that she makes a lot of sense to back up because she she's a reasonably good batter. You know, if you lose one of your international batters, then you know she can step in and perform yeah. that role. She can bat at three or four. You know, and you know she's hit one of you know. Some of the fastest scores in the early days of women's international T20s. She held a record for a long, long time for the biggest opening stand, along with I think Lizelle Lee in women's international T20s. Um, so she's a, she's a, she's a good T20 batter, and of course she she also bowls. She's, she's a useful bowler, and if you lose an international bowler, she can step in and she can perform that role. It's almost a Georgia Elwes role, if you like. Okay. That she, you know that she was clearly brought in so that she'd be in a position to step in if any of the other players got injured and, and that's the role that she's performed i suppose in a situation where you had the chance to buy more overseas players than you could field this was always going to be a, a potential scenario and a potential strategy for for teams going into the auction yeah i think and i think that that makes a lot of sense and okay. I, I can understand why you know she's got in that situation yeah. because she's a good buy for that person yeah. and yeah she didn't actually play any games but that doesn't mean that she was a waste of money it just means that you know you you said well you know we're hoping that off our four regular kind of overseas players are going to play every game. And in fact, they have done so far. She might, of course, get a game in the last game, which is going to be a dead rubber now because they, they are okay. out of it. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, so the other big news this week about her is that she, it looks like, is coming to England. I mean, it's still kind of being slightly presented as sort of rumour and speculation, but, you know... Um, it's it, being it's reported. In, it's being reported in, in the cricketer. Nick Frame reported it. Um, and she's apparently going to come to Sunrisers. What, what's that all about? And what could Sunrisers get from that, Raf? Well, they could win a game. So that's, that's the first thing. Bonus. <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting one. Um, 
from from the perspective of both the Sunrisers and from Danae van Neerkirk's perspective. I guess for her, um, you know, there's a positive aspect to it in terms of coming over to play in England. Um, I guess she'll really have her eye on getting picked up in the hundreds. Um, that's obviously still TBC. We haven't even had the draft yet. We're not quite sure um, where she could potentially end up. Um, but it, you know, it will make mean that she has a time to adjust to English conditions with a, a view to really, um, you know, pushing for that spot in the 100 team that she wasn't able to consistently, she wasn't consistently fielded in the 100 um, in last year's competition. Um, it may be that she ends up playing for the London Spirit, um, who are the kind of 100 equivalent of the Sunrisers, it may not, but we'll, we'll see. Um, from the Sunrisers perspective, you know, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Um, and uh, yeah, they haven't been very successful um, in the um, first kind of few years of, of the regional structure. Um, she is going to bring such a lot to a, t a relatively young team of players. Um, we saw that in the first year of the 100 with the way that she really did act as a kind of a mentor um, to this young team at the Oval Invincibles um, as epitomised by her then handing over the trophy to them, which you of course observed very closely on the day of the final when they won. Um, I think she's a great person to be doing that kind of mentoring role in a similar way to the way that Anya Shrubsall's done it um, at, at the Southern Vipers, um, you know, and potentially um, this is a way for Danae to kind of set herself up um, in that kind of mentor coaching role that she can then perform um, post her playing career. Um, in, a, in a couple Possibly of years' sort time. Possibly move into a coaching exactly. role ultimately in exactly yeah. the same way that Anya Shrubsall is yeah, to definitely. do that. Yeah, um, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I think it could be great for her and great for the Sunrises to have that experience to draw on because so often what we saw last season was they got really close to winning and they didn't quite seem to know how to win, how to get over yeah, the so line. Yeah, it's almost like what they needed was a leader. There you go. So they've got one. So that'll be that will be very yeah. interesting to see exactly what role she ends up fulfilling. But I'm I'm really excited to have her over here for the summer. I think it's going to be great. And it's nearly the, it's nearly the cricket season, Sid. Now I'm back from Canada. It's like properly <laughs> counting down to the cricket season. Yeah, it's pouring with rain at the moment. But... <laughs> Other than that, though. Right, and finally this week. Claire Connor's got a new job. Well, kind of, hasn't she? I yeah. mean, in some ways her role's not really changing, but in some ways it is. Raf, tell us all about that and what it means. Yeah, okay. So she's been given this new title. I'll read it out. Um, ECB... Lord High Executioner. <laughs> really, Sid? Sorry. Let's be serious about this. Very serious. Serious face on. ECB Deputy Chief Executive Officer. So the Deputy... CEO. So she's been performing the kind of interim CEO perspective. They've obviously got themselves a new full-time CEO. So she's going to be deputy CEO. Now, I think this is a new role. I don't think the ECB has had it before. Um, and I think that they've kind of sort of explicitly created it with Claire in mind. That's how I read it anyway. I don't know that for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, in the press release, it says, Claire's initial focus will be on the game-wide response to the um, ICEC, that's the Independent Commission for Equity in Cricket, to their report to make sure we move the game forward in a positive and progressive manner. So just to give a little bit of background on the Commission, this has kind of come about um, as a result of some of the um, revelations that Azim Rafiq has made in regard to Yorkshire County Cricket Club. Um, basically, um, he has accused them of institutional racism. Um, and there's been a lot of conversations as a result of that. So the commission is independent of the ECB and any of the cricket clubs, any of the women's regions. It's totally independent. It was set up to do an investigation, speak to a load of witnesses, and then to issue a report about the state of cricket 
in this country in relation to all equity issues. So whether that be race, whether that be gender, whether that be, um, you know, Sexuality, sexuality, all of those kind of issues. So they've they've spoken to a whole load of people, including me, I should say, for full transparency. I gave evidence to the commission, largely focused on women's cricket, because that's what I actually know about. Um, and they are due to report any day now. Um, now let me tell you, that report is going to be quite damning. Um, I, I I feel fairly. What's confident. the sort of worst case scenario here for the ECB, yeah. Raf? What's what's the well, worst case scenario? I believe that one of the questions that they've been actually asking witnesses um, and discussing with people is: Should we abolish the ECB? Should, would it be better to just start again from scratch with a brand new national governing body of cricket? Now I don't know what the report's going to say about that, but it's possible that the report could recommend that we get rid of the ECB. So you can tell, you can already see from this that the ECB should be very nervous about this report. And they really, um, and if they aren't, then they're doing it wrong. But I, I feel confident that they will be quite worried about this report. And it feels to me like they've given Claire Connor this remit and they've gone, well, you're a woman. So, you know, you tick the diversity box or one of them. Um, also, what we see, and I've done a lot of um, research into and, and read a lot about the way in which sport governance happens around the world, is that when there's a difficult issue to deal with, um, often it's given to the woman because... Um, well, first of all, there's an element of, OK, um, you know, she's a female voice, so it's going to be harder um, for the media, I think, perhaps to be critical of her when some of these revelations in the report about um, gender inequity within English cricket come to light because she'll be able to say, oh, well, look at everything I've done for women's cricket. But secondly, what we often see is that the woman is given the difficult job um, because the men at the top go, OK, well, um, you know, we want to um, pass the buck. We're passing the buck and we're saying, OK, you deal with the tough stuff. Um, and it, it just reads to me like that's what's happened here. OK, you've now got two men at the top of the ECB, Richard Thompson and Richard Gold. Um, you know, they could both be great men, um, you know, really nice guys. But why is it? Why is it? Why is responsibility for this report that's going to be really difficult for the ECB no, being handed to Claire, to Claire Connor. Connor to go, OK, it's up to you to respond to this? They have a term in rugby called a hospital pass, Raph. Is this a hospital pass? It, that's, how I'm, that's how I'm reading it, I'm afraid. Call me cynical. Okay. Um, yeah, we will have to see what that report says, but we will be talking about this again on the Cricket Hill Weekly because there is going to be some very difficult stuff in there. It's going to be very difficult reading for the ECB. Okay. And on that bombshell. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to let's go back to the um, Women's Premier League, Sid, because there's a match going on right now. Off we go. Bye for now. Bye.